Come on, Fuse. Hey, how we doing tonight? Every single campus. It's going to be hot this weekend. I hope y'all are ready. I hope you got pool plans. I hope you got sunscreen plans. I hope you're ready. Hey, before we jump all the way in tonight and you're still getting settled, still getting notes ready, let me tell you a couple things coming up. You've only got like a handful of days left to sign up for the gauntlet. Um, we're working out right now. We're like closing signups in legit, I think like eight or nine days. So you better get it rolling because we're filling up very quickly. So that's happening. I uh, want to let you know that next week, I want to show you a picture of this amazing couple. Next week, these wonderful people are going to be with us. Andrew, this microphone is janked, isn't it, bro? I'll figure it out. So I'm going to talk. You see the Pittmans right there? They're amazing. Tyler, can you bring me a handheld? This always happens to me. I have a strange head. And so the Pittmans, let me tell you, the Pittmans are coming to be with us next week because they have an amazing marriage and have for a long time. So they're going to come share with us next week. We're going to ask them some questions about how to be in love successfully for a long time. Here, let me hand you this one. Okay. Yeah, Tyler Jenkins, everybody. Don't take my shirt off. Check, check. Okay, there we go. Thank you, Tyler. That's okay. I'm sorry. Sound people always break the microphones. Okay. Hey, on a serious note, let me, let me say this, and then we're going to jump right in. Number one, over the next two weeks, we're talking about dating, relationships, and sex. <laughs> okay, good. Everybody ready? You got your giggles out? All right, go ahead. Gig keep giggling if you need to. Okay, all right, thank you. Here's the deal. A lot of people giggle because they either are, they just have no idea what's going on with it, and that's okay, some of those people. Other people giggle because they're extremely uncomfortable with it. But the fact of the matter is, this is a season of life where you start making some big boy and big girl decisions, whether you want to or not. And the Bible is extremely clear about all the topics dating sexuality, relationships, etc. So we're not going to be quiet about them. So here's what I want you to know. From me, here's what you can trust. We are going to be mature. I'm not going to be vulgar or explicit in any way. You have nothing to be worried about because we have some 11, 12, 13-year-olds and you are not there yet and that is wonderful. We also have some 17, 18-year-olds. You're getting ready to go off to college and you already have an entire rap sheet of regret and shame in your life because no one told you this stuff early on. So we're going to answer questions. We're going to be honest about all of this. And all this is going to be very helpful to you. But I don't want you to think of me over the next 30 minutes or even the next two weeks. I don't want you to think about me like a pastor. Because sometimes when you think pastor, you think like, oh, he just, he's supposed to do what the Bible says. I don't want you to think of me like a preacher who's just coming up with some clever message for you. I want you to think of me about me like an older brother who, for the record, only because of the grace of God, the mercy of Jesus Christ, I have a wonderful marriage and relationship now with my wife, two children, no regrets, and an absolutely tremendous relationship with a woman that I love dearly and will for the rest of my life. And I also sat in fuse when I was 14, 15, 16 years old and had people tell me some of the things that you're going to hear over the next couple of weeks. I foundationally believe outside of your understanding of God in Christ, your understanding of salvation, the topic of dating and sex and relationships is the single most important thing that will determine your spiritual life over your young years, period. If you put your head in the sand and try not to have any thoughts about it, you will have bad thoughts about it. If you try to ignore it and avoid it, 
you are deciding you're gonna think the wrong things about it. So I'm asking you with every bit of just kindness that I can in my heart, I need you to care for the next 30 minutes. I need you to take notes. I need you to listen. I need you to be mature. I need you to not poke the person beside you and interrupt them because a lot of people, you don't talk about this with your friends. You don't really even talk about it with your small group leader until you're forced to, but a ton of you hit us up with questions, hit us up with DMs. You ask us things all the time when nobody's listening. And this is the time where we're gonna talk about some of the things you need to know. So don't get distracted. Don't look at your phone. Don't send texts and snaps. and Just listen for 30 minutes, please. I know you can do it. You are extremely capable, okay? So I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna read you a couple of scriptures and I'm just gonna talk to you like an older brother for a little bit, okay? So let's pray. Everybody, every campus, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you have done for every single one of us. And I thank you, God, that you have a plan for every person in here, old and young, male and female, You, God, created every single one of us and you have a plan for us. So we say yes to it, we submit to it, and we ask, would you come now? Would you give us guidance? Would you teach us? Holy Spirit, would you come and teach us about wisdom and life in Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you got a Bible, I want you to turn with me. If you don't have a Bible, then I want you to write these verses down when they pop up on the screen or take a picture of them with your phone or do whatever you do to take notes. But I want you to think about these scriptures, okay? Because here's the deal. A lot has changed over the last 20, 30 years. Statistically, half of the people who get married nowadays get divorced, half. So look around whatever room you're in, half of the people in here, their mom and dad aren't together anymore. And it used to be, there used to be a way lower divorce rate and it used to be for way different reasons. There was war, there was all kinds of hardships. Now, the reason people get divorced is because it's easier, it's quicker to just get divorced and because life has just become, there's less Christian influence in the home, there's less understanding of the value of traditional marriage. And so here's what we have to own up to right now across the board. Most of us in here have a bad example of what we're talking about when we say sex and dating and relationships. Most of us do. So what happens is you turn to music, you turn to TV, you turn to movies, you turn to culture, you turn to whatever, and you're not really looking for an example, but you're looking for somebody who's gonna kind of point you in the right direction. Side note, you're not gonna find them. In popular culture, you are not gonna find somebody who is setting a biblical, godly example for your dating and your relationship life. So what you're gonna do naturally is you're gonna gravitate toward whatever couple you find to be the most interesting or whatever people that are in your world that have the most influence with you. If it's somebody that has uh, a ton of influence in your life and they have blown up a hundred relationships and they have no value for women or no value for men or no value for marriage, without even deciding that direction, what you're gonna do is you're gonna end up following in their footsteps. So that's why I'm telling you, when we start looking at some of these things that the Bible says, you have to actively decide to plant some flags in the ground and say, I'm going to, as a 14, 15 year old young man or young woman, decide some things about my dating future, about my relationships and about my sexuality. You have to decide it. It's not gonna be decided for you. It's much, much, much harder for you to find a true, genuine, down the middle, relational compass for you in the pop culture world these days because it's all over the place. So the first text that I wanna show you, the first scripture that I wanna read for you is this. This is a lens for us. This isn't even about a dating and relationships thing, but it does apply to it. First Timothy chapter four, verse 12, it says this. This is for you. Don't let, so let no one despise you for your youth. So don't let anybody look down on you because you're young, but set the believers an example. In your speech, you need to, you need to lead the way in the way you talk. 
in your conduct, you need to lead the way in the way you live. In your love, in the way that you love one another, you need to lead the way. You need to lead the way in your faith. And what's the fifth one? You need to lead the way in your purity. What this is saying, what Timothy, what Paul is writing to Timothy 2,000 years ago is this. Your culture is not going to do this for you, young people. So you have to decide you're going to lead the way and set the pace in these areas, one of them being purity. A lot of you, very few of you, I would say, grew up in a home where mom and dad sat you down and actually had a birds and the bees talk about anything. In fact, most parents are very uncomfortable with it. Most parents are very uncomfortable with it because no one ever told them what to do, so they figured it out and made regrets, and so they don't feel like they can share any sort of wisdom with you. And so somebody has to tell you some of the things that are good and that are bad for you. Here's another scripture I want to read to you, and this is the one you've got to decide is going to apply to you, okay? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says this. All scripture, say all scripture, is breathed out by God and is profitable. Say profitable. For teaching, reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness. And verse 17 actually goes on to say this. That the man and woman of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. What this verse is saying is that the Bible, every word of it is good for you and will correct you and will help fix your bad decisions so that you can be built up and complete and ready for the good works. So I say that to preface and say, when we read some of this scripture, when we read some of the Bible, when it says something that makes you feel uncomfortable, that is a gift from God for you to realize you're wrong and it's right. And in the world of sex and dating and relationships, if you scour the Bible, you're going to find oftentimes that you're wrong and it's right. And you've got to choose. I'm either going to side with myself and my thoughts and my passions and my flesh and what I want and what I think and what I feel, or all scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable, therefore I'll submit to it. Thing is, you have to decide that for yourself. Otherwise, you'll read a scripture, it'll say something, it'll try to correct you, and you'll go, ah, I think I might know better. But you got to decide that. All right, now I'm going to turn to Genesis. I'm going to read some verses about the creation of man and woman. I'm going to read some verses that you may have heard before, and we're going to draw some points out of them. And then I'm going to share just some thoughts with you, and then we're going to pray. We're going to sing a little bit, okay? Here we go, Genesis chapter 2, verse 5. <coughs> When no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up for the Lord had not caused it to rain on the land and there was no man to work the ground and a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature. And the Lord God then planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that's pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Skip down to verse 15. Let's keep reading for a little bit. Then the Lord God took the man, and he put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you're gonna die. Then the Lord God said, look, this is God talking. 
It's not good for man to be alone. Girls, say amen. Okay, that's fine. That was a joke. We'll get there later. Um, I will make a helper fit for him. You're supposed to say amen because God knows men need help. Okay, now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heaven and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, the man, there was no helper found for him that was fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and he closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, at last, this is bone of my bones. Y'all don't even know that song and I'm too old. So this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. So here's what I want to read there. It's a basic text highlighting the creation story. But what I want you to see is from the very beginning of time and creation in the Bible and recorded history, God had a plan for man and woman to relate to each other. God thought up the idea of man. God thought up the idea of women. God thought up the idea of everything. And so with that, there's seven points that I want to make tonight, and we're going to write these down. We're going to talk about it a little bit, okay? This first one is the foundation for everything. If you don't believe this one, nothing that we talk about in dating and relationships and sex will make sense to you, and you won't care about it, okay? Number one, this is point number one. Everybody write this down. God is good. God is good. Everything in your life, every decision that you make, every relationship that you have, every career option you pursue, every educational decision that you make, every argument you get into or don't get into is based in the belief that you either know and think in your heart that God is good or he's not. The thing that Satan showed up to try to do as soon as God makes man and woman is he tries to get them to doubt God's goodness, that God was holding out on them because he's not good. Primarily, the enemy, Satan, the devil's role in your life is not to tear your life up or show up in the middle of the night as some girl floating around your room with her head spinning around like Hollywood would try to have you believe. His role is to get you to believe something about God that's not true. Because if you will believe something about God that's not true, you will do everything in your power to ruin your life. You will run from God if you don't think he's good. You will reject his authority in your life if you don't think he's good. You will pursue sex and dating and relationships your own way if you don't believe God is good. You will fight to be friends with everybody you meet, sexually and not sexually, if you don't believe that God is good. You will give yourself to people you have no business giving yourself to, emotionally, sexually, physically, spiritually. You will give yourself to people that have no business receiving anything from you if you don't believe that God is good. You will pursue your identity in everything except for God if you don't think he's good. It is foundational to every part and function of your spiritual life that you believe and settle in your heart that God is good. This means that everything he says to you is good for you. This means every command he has to you is for your good, not your pain, not your suffering, not your fear, not your, so you'll miss out in life, but it is because God is good. It is the foundation of a thriving spiritual life that you've settled in your heart that God is good. He's good. You may have a life that says right now, God's not good, and I can't believe that. 
I'm telling you, your pursuit of an understanding and a faith that holds to the belief that God is good is fundamental if you wanna move forward in any area spiritually. You're not ready to date if you don't think God's good. You're not ready to really think about your future unless you can work down and settle in your heart that God is good because you'll never listen to what he says. You won't spend time in prayer with him if you don't think he's good. You won't go to the Bible and read if you don't think it's gonna be good for you. You won't come to fuse and sing if you don't think it's gonna do good for you. It has to be out of the belief and the knowledge in my heart that God is good. Point number two, God created man and woman because he's good. God himself is the one who decided he wanted to make a man. God is good, God is creator, God's design is the one that we're living inside of, and God decided he wanted a man to exist. With a man's body, a man's shoulders, a man's jawline, he wanted a man to be a man because he had a purpose for him, and we'll get to that in a second. God thought up the idea of men. Now listen, the reason it's important for you to settle in your heart that God is good is because when God shows up and makes a man, you have to know it's because God believes in men. God wouldn't make it if he didn't love it and have a plan for it. And I'm sorry, but if you live on the news and the internet and the world these days, you will see that there is an attack on a man. It's gonna be hard in the next 15 to 20 years of your life for you to have a belief that God made man and there's nothing wrong with a man. We want men, everybody wants, now there are men that get out of control and take power abuse and all this thing, they need to be brought to justice and it's wrong. But if you remove a man, you remove a thing that God created. And number two, a woman was God's idea. This is why we have to fight for women to be valued highly in every aspect of the human life because they're God's idea. They were brought together, God made man and God made woman and he put them together to accomplish what he wanted on the earth because he said, I made men, I believe in men, they can't do it by themselves. They're not good enough by themselves. So I'm gonna make a woman and together they're gonna rule the world. And what he's saying there is, man is not better than woman. Woman, you're not less than man. You two are created in my image and you need each other. God planned for men and women to relate to each other. That's why every culture in the entire world, even ones who are not Christian in any way, have some form of a marriage ceremony. Why? Because it's innate. It's in the human experience being created in the image of God that men and women are to relate to each other. Point number three, God gave man and woman a purpose on earth because he's good. Why did God put Adam in the garden? To work to work. The man was put in the garden by God before sin ever existed, before a bad decision was ever made in complete perfect harmony with God. God put Adam in the garden to work it. Why? Because men were created to work. It's not a bad word. It's not a cuss word. It's a part of your existence and your being. There is something about being a man with muscles and body hair, and a stench about you. You were created by God for a purpose. That purpose is, according to Genesis 2, subdue the earth, get it in order, and work. One of the worst things that's happening in culture today is people aren't getting real jobs or any jobs until they're 30 years old. Just a couple hundred years ago, by the time you were 30, you were probably close to being a grandparent. 
but we just keep delaying the inevitable. And so it's totally socially acceptable now for you to be 25, 28, 30 years old, no job, living at home with mom and dad and not working. I'm not trying to throw shade. What I'm saying is God created man to work. And then he brings the woman alongside and says, and you work too. Work together. The world needs the two of you to work together. He gave them a purpose. He said, look, you got to go back and read the creation story. God says, Adam and Eve, I'm putting you in charge of everything. Run the world. Run the earth together. Figure it out, the two of you. Name all the animals. Tend to this garden. Get creative. Figure out how to fill this place up. But get to work. Do your thing. All right, next point. You're not going to like this one. Ready? Tell your neighbor. You're not going to like this point. God gave man and woman boundaries and rules because he's good. Write that point down. Write it down. Who created rules? Every person you've ever met has an authority complex. Everybody you know hates being told what to do. Everybody. It's part of your sin nature. You want to do your thing, your way, in your time, however you want to. That's part of the problem with humans. God shows up to Adam and Eve and he says, look, guys, you can have this whole garden. You can have this whole world. Make it, tend to the stuff, eat all you. There's one thing you can't do. If you do it, you're gonna die. One thing, you can do anything in the world you want to. If you do this one thing, you're going to die. I have kids now. As a dad with little young boys, if I was to wake up in the morning, go get them out of bed, change some diapers, bring them downstairs, fix some breakfast, then say, okay, guys, one of you's three, one of you's nine months old. Today... You can do whatever you want. Matter of fact, I'm gonna go to work. You guys got it here? You fine? All right, cool. I'll see you. See you like 5:30 when I get off. All right, everybody knows how stupid that is. You know they would be dead by lunchtime. It's a horrible idea. Nobody thinks that's a good idea. They need rules. They need boundaries. They need to learn the word no. They need to learn you're a small child with a small brain. You do not think about things the way you should yet. Can I tell you something? As an older brother, spiritually, you're a small child with a small brain. You don't know how the world works yet, especially when it comes to sex and dating and relationships. You don't. Just because you turn 15 or 16 and your body starts feeling things and looking a certain way, you don't have a clue what you're doing. And the problem is, you start trying to figure it out. You start trying to listen to music or watch a thing you can find or ask questions about it and kind of explore around and figure it out. And the problem is by the time you figure out what you're doing, you've broken things that you didn't know you had on the inside of you. And they don't tell you that, but you don't get them back. They don't tell you that the damage you do to your soul doesn't just come back because you came to fuse and sang. They don't tell you that God created you, not just with a body, but with a body and a soul, and you're a whole thing. Your feelings, your thoughts, your body, everything is one giant soul, and there's parts of you that you break when you just do things your way. That's why God said you can do a lot of things, but there's some things you can't do because I'm God, I'm your dad, and I know what's good for you. I'm creating rules and boundaries. 
That's why God doesn't change his mind about what sexuality is and what it's not. That's why God hasn't decided that now it's okay for men and women to practice homosexuality. God didn't change his mind. God's not just now okay with men and women not caring about sexual immorality. He didn't change his mind. Why? Because his rules are there and they've been there from the beginning and they're always good. I told you you wouldn't like that point. Here's the next point. Write this one down. God created sex because he's good. The longer that you think that sex is yucky or sex was created by somebody else, the crazier ideas you'll come up with. Who do you think designed the human body? Who do you think thought up the idea of pleasure? Not the devil. He doesn't have power to create things. Not Adam and Eve. They were just dirt, like right before this story happened. Hey, listen, the reason I say God is good as a married man, seven years into marriage with two children, God created sex and it's good. But I've experienced sex outside of the boundaries of what God created and it's not good. And it hurts you and it leaves you confused and it leaves you with worries and regrets and everybody lies about it. And everybody tries to pretend there's something they're not, there's somewhere they're not, and then here's what happens. Then you decide to do things God's way and you realize, wow, what, a, what an amazing, hilarious, fun, free gift this is inside of a marriage. But the problem is at 15, 16 years old, you have no idea what you're doing. In life, in dating. I've watched some of you guys try to talk to each other at the lunch table. It's like a train wreck. Because that's what it's supposed to be. You're learning how to relate in the world. You're learning how do I, how do I protect you and how do I fight for you and how do I be friends with you and how do we have nothing in common and yet somehow I can talk to you for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours about nothing. And how do I smell bad and you still want to sit close to me and all of these, these weird relational emotional things. And here's what happens. You get convinced that this season of life is supposed to be about something that God never intended it to be about. And then you start thinking this, oh, well, sex is bad. Sex is yucky. Sex is what I just won't think about it. Well, no, sex is not yucky or bad or any of those things. It's amazing. You should have a lot of it when you get married to someone that you love who is also following Jesus, who you have shared your soul with. The answer to sexuality and dating and relationships is not to play defense and put your head in the sand. It's to do it God's way, and because that's the best way. It costs you nothing. It gives you life. You share your, what he said is, you're going to leave your mom and dad and you're going to become one human, like one flesh. Like you're going to become one thing. You're not ready to do that until you have a job. You're out of your mom and dad's house. You've had some grown up decisions about your life. You're ready to explore what it means to be a grown man and a grown woman. Until then, have fun and date and hang out in friend groups and go to the lake and do all your fun stuff. Please don't make decisions that you're too not grown enough to make. Don't fall for the trap. You don't have to. It's a giant made-up lie that you have to make regrets right now or that you have to make decisions right now that you think will be good. 
They won't be. All right, next point. Let's write this down. Some of you feel this. You won't like this point either, but just trust me. God created conviction because he's good. Some of you, I'm not even gonna call them mistakes because you made them because you wanted to. You made bad decisions and have made bad decisions consistently and you feel horrible about them and you feel horrible about them because God's good. If my son, I tell him no, do not put your hand on the stove because you wanna eat the macaroni right now. Wait. If he puts his hand up there and he throws it down and and burns the flesh off of his hand, it's gonna tear my heart to shreds, but that pain is gonna let him know, oh no, I need to listen to what dad says. It is a gift from God that you do something wrong and you feel that you did something wrong. It's a gift, because you wanna know why? If you'll lean into that gift called conviction, you'll seek God's wisdom and you'll make it the right decision next time. Or you'll just keep searing your conscience. I'll just keep making bad decision, bad decision, bad decision until I quit feeling bad about them. Or I'll start hanging out with other friends who don't feel bad about it because they've already seared their consciences. And what you'll lose is a great gift called conviction. What you'll do is you'll lose your friends that try to keep you coming to Fuse. You'll bail on your people that try to get you to show up to Fuse group. You'll surround yourself with people that have no moral compass and no care about their life. And what you'll do is you will sear your conscience because you want to do things your way or however you feel. And you need to understand, when you make a bad decision and you know you made a bad decision, that's not the devil telling you that. That's God. And it's not because he's mad. It's because he loves you and he's good and he wants you to make a better one next time. Conviction is your friend. If you're sitting beside your boyfriend or girlfriend tonight and you're feeling convicted because you've been sleeping together or making bad decisions, don't shy away from that. Lean into it. God loves both of you. He loves your future. He doesn't love your bad decisions together. He's convicting you. The power of the Holy Spirit is drawing you to the goodness of God in Christ so you'll do better and get toward your future. Last point. Here's the deal. This is my favorite. God redeems and restores because he's good. Because he's good. There's some people in here, not even just students, leaders, volunteers. You've made decisions in dating, in relationships, and with your sexuality. You can't even believe you made decisions like that. And I'm here to tell you, God redeems it all, will restore to you the joy of your salvation because he's good but there's only one person who can redeem it and restore it. You can't drink your way to being redeemed and restored. You can't smoke your way toward that innocent feeling again. You can't. There's one person who made you. There's one person who has a plan for you. And the cross of Jesus Christ paid for every bad decision you made for you ever even thought about making it. And the Holy Spirit wants to fill your body no matter how many times you've made a bad decision with that body. And God wants to have an intimate relationship with you no matter how many intimate relationships you've had with however many people. And God wants to take your life and make it wonderful. And you have to decide specifically in the area of dating and relationships that you're gonna do things God's way in God's timing because God made you and God gets to decide what you do. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for coaching, for reproof, And you can't let anybody look down on you because you're young. But you gotta decide now, you're gonna set the example. So I wanna pray. I wanna pray for a few minutes.
I wanna pray for you, I wanna pray for us, and then I wanna sing a little bit about God who redeems and restores because he's good. So bow your head, close your eyes. And I want you to just right now, in your words, in your way, I want you to ask, Holy Spirit, will you come and speak to me now? Holy Spirit, will you come? Will you speak to us? Teach us, help us, guide us. Will you come and comfort us? Those of us in here who've been confronted with our sin, will you comfort us, encourage us? Those of us in here who are still trying to hide our shame and our regret, will you give us the courage to confess, to share, to get some healing in our lives? We bind the voice of the enemy right now in every single room. He has to leave. What's happening right now in Jesus' name is you are going to experience the love of God over your life in a way that you maybe haven't in a long time or maybe ever. God loves you tremendously, more than you ever thought possible. He has an amazing plan for you. You've not made one decision that's too bad for him. You've not said one word, sent one thing, done one thing in one place. You haven't done anything that's so bad that God doesn't still want to be intimately involved in your life. But you have to act and decide you're gonna trust God with your dating life, with your relationships, and with your sexuality. So we don't have to get specific with what it is, but with every head bowed in here and every eye closed, If you're feeling this tonight and you just want to receive prayer with everybody's head down and everybody's eyes closed, will you just raise your hand so I can pray for you? If you're like, man, I need, I'm feeling conviction. I've been doing some things wrong and I wanna change. Feeling, man, I've been been worried. I don't wanna be worried anymore. Feel regret and I don't wanna feel regret anymore. I just wanna move forward. I feel ashamed. I've felt confused and I just wanna start making some better decisions. Look, there's no shame. There's no fear. There's no regret. This isn't a place where we come to get judged. This is, I wanna get help. I wanna trust Jesus. I wanna follow God's plan for my life. If you wanna get prayer, raise your hand. Don't raise it kind of because you're kind of embarrassed about this. Raise it saying, I'm ready to get some help. I wanna start doing this God's way. I wanna get some healing in my life in the area of this so I quit making bad decisions. So I start following Jesus so I, wanna, so I can experience some abundance in my life. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can put your hands down. God, for every single person that raised their hand, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you please work in their heart over the next few moments to show them how good you actually are, how kind you actually are, how much love you actually have for them, how big and massive and perfect your plans are for their life. God, how fun and free dating and relating should be in this season. How wonderful it is that you created men and women with specific plans and purposes because you love both of them equally. You want to see both of them thrive. God, please, will you make us aware of how good you are in Jesus' name? At every campus, we're going to sing for just a little bit. So, But here's what I want to do. Over the next few minutes, if you need to pray, because typically... Growing up, if I heard a talk like this, there's some things, there's thoughts in my head, there's feelings in my heart, there's some stuff going on, and I just need to just pray and spend some time with God. On whatever campus you're on, whatever room you're in, over the next few minutes as we sing, there's space down front, there's space in the back, there's space along the aisles. Find space in your room and just get by yourself with God and pray. If there's anything you need to talk to your fuse group about, 
to get some accountability in your life, to make some better decisions, to confess some stuff that's going on over these next few minutes. Instead of singing, just get with your fuse group and share. If there's something your fuse group leader needs to know about that happened to you or that you did that you regret or whatever, if there's a conversation you need to have over these next few minutes, create space in your room over these next couple of songs and deal with that. And let's have these conversations. So will you stand on every campus and let's sing and pray and meet with God.